Praise the Lord. Thank you, Elder Carl. I appreciate you, brother, very much. You know, we, we really thought we had it all figured out, exactly what we were going to preach today. And then I woke up this morning and God changed my message. But I believe God knows who's going to be here. And I think it's far more important that I preach what he tells me to preach than I preach what will make you shout. Amen. Because there's a whole lot of places today where they're going to come in and they're going to hear a word and they're going to shout and they're going to go home and nothing's going to change. Amen. And so I, a long time ago, came to a place where I don't, I don't preach for a response. I preach for transformation. The metamorphosis of the spirit. And I, I really do believe that there's going to be a healing anointing that's going to come into this place today. Amen. I just feel that in my spirit. There's oil and wine today for people who have been hurt. And if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 55, I'm going to read two verses of scripture there, and then we're going to attempt by the help of the Holy Spirit to exegize the rest of that psalm today. Psalm 55, verses 12 and 14. For it was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me, that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine equal, my guide, my main acquaintance, my best friend, my bosom buddy. We took sweet counsel together and walked unto the house of God in company. I want to talk to you today on the topic of the wounded worshiper. Have you know David was an incredible worshiper? Matter of fact, David in his worship was so dramatic at times that on one occasion he danced until his kingly robe fell off and his family began to rise up and criticize his indignant behavior. I remember hearing a song one time, I will become even more undignified than this. How many of you have ever praised God like that? You know, I think we Pentecostals love David. You say, why? Well, David killed the giant. We love that. David wrote a song book. We love to sing. Don't we love to sing? David gave us all the ammunition we needed to have drums in the church. Come on now. Praise him on the cymbals. Praise him on the loud sounding cymbals. Praise him on the organ and the stringed instrument. And we Pentecostal, we love to praise God with our instruments. Amen. The guitars and the organs and the, and the piano. We, we do. We love to pray. And then, and then, oh, talk about just going ahead and stepping into the category of favorite Old Testament Pentecostal character. I mean, this is where I honestly believe he just, he wipes Elijah out, you know, which Elijah is a pretty, pretty good one. And Ezekiel had fire in his bones, so he's a really good one. But he steps right past these incredible prophets when he said, praise him in the dance. Oh, when he said praise him in the dance, he had me right there. Oh, yes, he, he had me at hello. Because we love to praise him in the dance. Can anyone say amen to that? And you know, I think if they can praise him at a football game, take their t-shirts off and paint a big B and an E and an A and an R and an S across their chest in the freezing weather and scream and shout, then we ought to be able to praise Jesus because he's a whole lot more important than football and basketball and horse racing. 
I mean, I, I honestly believe Jesus is better than soccer. Well, I knew that'd get me in trouble. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Maybe not here, but around the world, those that are listening on the web, we're getting in trouble there too. But if we, you know, we love David for these reasons. And, and yet the truth is one of the greatest revelations that David had was this. He desires not the bullocks and the oxen, but a broken and a contrite spirit. See, David saw past the rituals of the Old Testament and understood this is about the heart of the worshiper. Praise the Lord. And have you know, we Pentecostals believe in worship. Amen. We believe in worshiping God. And we know it's about the heart. It's not about religion. It's not about form or fashion. It's not about the order of the service. It's not about the liturgy. Amen. It's not about some uh, uh, doctrinal position, but it really is about knowing him and having a relationship with him. And because of that, we identify with David, the worshiper. We connect with David, the worshiper. And I can tell you right now, there are many other churches today, amen, that have adopted our worship and they've adopted our praise. And you could go to so many places today, amen, that have uh, a, a, really a worship service, not a whole lot different than ours. That'll be under many different banners of of uh, you know, excellent musicianship, contemporary music, and, and they'll sing contemporary worship songs. But the truth is they have rejected our message about an up-to-date personal relationship with God through his Holy Spirit. Amen. They have rejected that, and they still, they still they come to worship but are they a worshiper? Because worship is a lifestyle. David was a worshiper. And you know, there's something that we don't like to acknowledge. That if you hang around church long enough, you will suffer from sheep bite. Sheep are... Meek animals, but they will bite you. If you've been in church very long at all, then somewhere you bear the scars and the teeth marks of somebody who was a sheep. They, they wasn't even a goat. It was a sheep. And that's what makes it hard, isn't it? Because it's not always wicked people. It's good people. It's well-intended people. It's people who had your best interest at heart. People were trying to help you and they hurt you. How you've ever been through that? I mean, they're well intended, but they hurt you, cut you, helped you in the wrong way, made a bad situation even worse. Thanks for the help. <laughs> you know, I know you, I know you mean well, but, but please be quiet. Please don't help me anymore. I can't take any more of your help. And oftentimes we find this the case in modern medicine where that the cure is worse than the sickness. You know, I love the fact that now we have these laws that they have to reveal all of the potential side effects of the medicine. And so we see these wonderful commercials where people are walking together and they're so happy and their life has been liberated from some form of symptom or disease because of this incredible medicine while some man in the most gentle, kind voice is saying, may cause irritable bowel syndrome, <laughs> nausea, and even in some cases, death. And see, that's what I'm trying to tell you, that sometimes the cure is worse than the illness. And sometimes the people that come to help us, they don't always help the situation. And if we were all to be honest today, I would have to say that I find myself to be both a victim and a perpetrator. I grew up in church. 
I grew up on a Pentecostal church pew. I grew up in the land of bondage. The holiness movement and we gathered up the bobby pins after the sisters would shout their hair down and tried to sell them back to them after church. I got 50 bobby pins for 50 cents. We could go across the street at the Lawson store and buy a whole bag of candy back then for 50 cents. But that's a whole other sermon right there. I'll be, I'll be honest with you, but it, I really think the price of candy is out of control and we need to rise up as Christians and do something about it. that's my own personal belief and it's low on priority we haven't had a lot of support we have no monthly supporters on that issue who are sending us their $25 a month to help and support of that ministry but I promise you we could do some good if we'd band together but the truth is I, I grew up in an atmosphere of church and I watched how that that it, it, it is entirely possible to, to become wounded. And this is a word to the wounded worshiper, a word to those who are in church today, but you're hurting. You're, you're here, but you're angry. You're here, but you're mad. You're, you're here, but the truth is you're, you're detached in some way. You can often tell the wounded worshiper because they come in late and leave early. And oftentimes it's, it's not to the fault of their own. They, they, we find ourselves sitting in church talking about the fact that the church is a place where if you're sick, we'll pray for you and God will heal you. And if you're tired, we'll, we'll comfort you. If you're, if you're wounded, we'll help to heal you. If you're, if, you're, if you're going through a difficult time, we'll be there for you. And then the church falls short of what it's advertised to be. And we set a standard of claims for our faith, but there are a whole lot of people that are disappointed that we have not yet quite arrived at that point where the church is all those things to everybody. And we, 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 we desire that and we establish that. And as a preacher, I, I preach about it because I want to get there, but I got to be honest with you today. The church is not perfect. And sometimes people with problems fall through the cracks and people are hurt and people are offended. And if we look around the world today, we would find there are a whole lot of people out there that are not mad at Jesus. They're mad at his wife. I I knew when I started this, I wasn't going to get a lot of help this morning. So I'm not going to wait for your amens and I will not be affected by the absence of them this morning. Because I'm on a mission today. There are wounded worshipers. Amen. That are there that are disappointed in their bride. Mahatma Gandhi made the statement that he would have probably been a Christian for a very long time had it not been for his Christian wife. With all the good that he did in the world, I really hope that the man came to believe on Jesus or his life was wasted. But uh, that is very much the case of many people. They would have probably been a Christian today if it wasn't for his bride. If it wasn't for the church and it wasn't for the fact that we fall short of what we advertise. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to encourage myself. And you know, I don't blame people sometimes. You know, when you're getting beat up by the world all week long, the last thing you want to do is come to church and get a fist in your face. We got to fight hell out there and church is supposed to be a sanctuary. It's supposed to be a safety zone, a, a, a safe place, the pavilion of the Lord. When trouble comes, we can run to the church house and there's safety there. Didn't anybody tell you? When the vampires are chasing you, get on holy ground. My God, even even the world, amen, in their fantasies about evil, say, well, if you can just get inside the church, you're safe in the church house. That's the perception that we have given the world, and yet oftentimes when people come to the church house, what do they get? People rolling their eyes, looking at them like they got leprosy. Oh boy, what are they doing here? 
Here comes trouble. Here comes trouble. Amen. Oftentimes it's in the church house where we deal with the issues of jealousy, strife, and discord. Oh, my word. I I can tell you right now, if the devil can bring in confusion, he'll bring it in. If he can bring in a problem, he'll bring it in. And he'll use good people to do it. Not wicked, mean, evil folks, just good church folks trying to help you. Praise the Lord. But they're not helping. (laughs) Amen. Have you ever been in one of those situations where you needed a word of comfort and they came with a rebuke? Amen. Have you ever been in a situation where you really needed a rebuke? You needed someone to tell you don't do it. And they all came in and said, well, you deserve it. (laughs) Amen. Becoming a part of the problem. And I, I just believe with all of my heart that God wants to move in his church. And he wants to bless his church. But the Bible warns us that there will come an offense. And so what did God do? God did not deliver his church, amen, from being a place where people are hurt and offended. God wants to strengthen believers so that we know how to relate to one another and keep our eyes on him and not on his people. Amen. I want to talk to you about seven signs of a wounded worshiper. You may be here today and say, I don't know if I'm a wounded worshiper or not. Well, I'm going to help you with that. And number one is a wounded worshiper feels betrayed or abandoned by God. Verse one of the Psalm says, hide not thyself from my supplication. God's not hiding. I said, God's not hiding from anybody. Have you know that? God hears us when we pray. But David felt like God was hiding from him. He was saying, God, where are you at? Where are you at in this trouble, in this problem? Where, where is it? Hey Amen. Have you ever asked God why he didn't protect you? I mean, have you ever went to God and said, God, you knew they were an idiot before I married them. <laughs> you knew they was crazy and full of demons before we hooked up. Why did you let me waste a time in my life? Lord, before I ever became their friend, you knew they had a spirit about them. Why didn't you warn me, Lord? But have you understand this about God? God doesn't always protect us from hurt. Oh, you're going to struggle with that. I'm going to say it again. God does not always protect us from hurt. You say, why? Because hurt brings us closer to Jesus. Jesus redeemed us through pain. And those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer. God allows us to go through something. It's easy to get mad at heaven and say, God, why did you let this happen to me? Why didn't you warn me? Why didn't you tell me that it was going to cause all this trouble? But God's trying to bring you close to his precious bleeding side. He's trying to give you the insight and the understanding of pain. There's a revelation in pain. You're not hearing me. I said, there's a revelation in pain. I said, there's a revelation in pain. Come on. Have you ever been going through something and then you bowed before the Lord and you gave him 30 minutes of complaining about all your pain and all your trouble and how horrible it is. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit began to move on you and took you back to Calvary. And all of a sudden your prayer changed. You said, oh God, I haven't been through anything. Oh Jesus, thinking about what you went through, how could I even compare what I endured? Somebody hurt my feelings. Somebody forgot to honor me. Somebody forgot to recognize what I did. How can I compare that to the cross of Calvary? Oh, I'm thankful, Jesus, for what you did. I praise you, Jesus, for Calvary, for the cross and what it means. Is there anybody thankful for the blood of Jesus? Come on, anybody been through enough? You appreciate the pain of Calvary. God will not always protect you 
from hurt and from pain. Number two, a wounded worshiper loses the joy of spiritual disciplines. Say, what are you talking about? Oh, I'm talking about people that used to love to sing. And they loved to praise. And they loved to go to church. And they used to go to the pastor and say, when are we going to have another revival? Woo! When we when we going to have this brother in? Oh, that blessed me so much. Oh, you know, we ought to have prayer meetings every morning. Yeah. Woo! They used to love spiritual things. Never missed a Bible study. But then when they become wounded, they lose the joy of spiritual disciplines. Why do you say that in verse 2? David says, attend unto me and hear me. That's a prayer, isn't it? I mourn in my complaint and make a noise. That's a complaint. Yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, he went from prayer to complaining in the same verse. Amen. Hey, why? Because there was no joy anymore. He was still doing it, but complaining about it the whole time. Oh, God, help us now. I need your help, Jesus, to preach this next part, Lord. They may stone me and gnash upon me like they did Stephen, Jesus. But I pray, may you be standing as I look to see your shining face. I need to pray a little longer than that. I still don't feel the strength to preach this next part. Can I ask you a question? Why do you feel like complaining? Oh, why do you feel like I'm not a wounded warrior? Why are you complaining about everything? You didn't used to complain about it. You used to brag about it. You used to tell everybody, got to come. To, oh, you got to come. You got to come. I found the greatest things in sliced bread. I mean, I found a church. Oh, everybody's wonderful. But you see, we complain because we feel like we got the bad end of the deal. Something has happened and we got the short end of the stick. Something has happened and that's why verse 2 says, I mourn in my complaint. Say, what are you talking about? Complaining and mourning are of the same spirit. What do we mourn over? We mourn over dead things. Complainers are pallbearers of the past. Oh, yeah, it's been over. It's been gone. It's been two years. Bury that thing. It stinks. It's dead. Let's go on with the work of the Lord. Get away from the tomb. We're trying to have Pentecost. I feel the Holy Ghost on this one. You see why I need the help to preach that. You say, why? Because God's got a one-step program for you. Get over it. Get over it. Oh, somebody said, I can't let it go. Yeah, you need to bury that thing. And then pray a benedictory prayer over it. And then quit digging it up every morning. Some of you say, oh, pastor, I'm free. Yeah, until you get into a really good fight. Then you dig it up and pull that nasty carcass out and throw that failure. Oh, help me, Jesus. Throw that failure right up into the face of the person who loves you most on this planet. You're a pallbearer of your past. You're in mourning. Let the past be the past. I heard one anointed preacher say at my father's church one Sunday morning, and I've never forgotten it. Yesterday is in the tomb of time. Tomorrow is in the womb of time. We live in today. Amen. Your freedom is in living in today. I said it's in today. Let the past be the past. I bury that. That's over. I said that's over. I don't pronounce the benediction. We got too many zombies in the church. The walking dead. The living dead. Hey man, walking around the church. And maybe they can spread that death to somebody else. I've been in churches as an evangelist. And the church had that spirit in it. That 
complain. You know, as soon as they got you alone, well, let me tell you about our pastor. You probably don't know what happened here, but we had a great move of God, and we had a and we had a wonderful man of God. But he ran off with the piano player, and that really hurt a lot of people here. And the church has never been the same since. And and you know, we just can't seem to recapture what happened. And I don't know why. Well, how long ago was that? Oh, that was 1986. What? 1986, and you had to make sure that me as an evangelist coming here trying to resurrect this dead atmosphere, I had to know about that. You're a pallbearer of the past. Oh, help me, gee. I could preach the whole sermon right here because we just all carrying around a bunch of dead stuff that doesn't mean anything. The only life it has is the life that we cut out of ourselves and give to it. The life that we give it cost us our life. Years are wasted in people's lives as they try to resurrect something that is dead. It's over. It wasn't right. You got hurt. Bury it and let it go. Thank you that God gave us a Savior that didn't stay in the tomb. He has risen. Hallelujah. Come out of that tomb in the name of Jesus. Wounded worshipers lose their joy over their spiritual disciplines. The joy of prayer, the joy of praise, the joy of fellowship, the joy of church. Oh, I I just just don't even feel like coming to church anymore. Pastor, I don't know why I feel that, but it's all those dead things. Still holding on to things in the past. Number three, wounded worshipers feel betrayed and abandoned by God. Wounded worshipers lose their joy for spiritual disciplines. But number three, wounded worshipers feel victimized by negative people. Verse three says, because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast their iniquity upon me. And in wrath, they hate me. Did you ever wonder why good things happen to bad people? You know what I'm talking about. Steroid users getting the Cy Young Award and breaking the home run record. Why do good things happen to bad people? I mean, you know. We as believers, we look at that sometimes and it's just hard not to pray that prayer. Lord, get them. Just get them. You know, I think, Lord, I think the purposes of God would be best served with a lightning bolt. <laughs> Toast them. Fry them, Jesus. Come on, deep fried. Don't even batter them. Just throw them in the oil. Turn them into a crispy critter, Jesus. But one reason, listen to me, one reason that good things sometimes seem to happen to bad people, amen, is because God is testing our perspective. Say, what are you talking about? Some of us have a limited perspective perspective. We forget sometimes that life is a vaporous few days and full of trouble, that we are eternal beings. And that's why David in another Psalm says, you know, don't worry when the wicked prosper in their way because they'll be mowed down like the grass of the field and cast into a furnace. Man, what good is it to die in a mansion if you die in your sins and you're going to split hell wide open? Did you hear what I said? Sometimes God's testing our perspective. And so he just goes ahead and lets them have that blessing. Just so the believers remember that there's a final payday. That yes, there are seasons of sowing and reaping. And some people will get theirs this side of glory. But some that you will not see it until they stand before the Lord. And then these mighty, rich, and wealthy superstars that look like they have it all. And look like they lived to a ripe old age and did what they wanted to do. Amen. They're going to stand before 
and God will say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. And if you understand anything about eternity, if you understand anything about hell, all matters are settled. There is no way to say that they have not truly reaped what they have sown. But there's another reason, amen, why that we feel victimized by negative people. And that's because we listen to negative people. Oh, yeah, this is another one right here. Help me, Jesus. Oh, Holy Ghost, right now, just take over, Lord. Just give me a shield of protection. God, angels all around me. Thank you, Jesus. Say, what are you talking about? He said, listen to this. Because of the voice of the enemy, not the fist, not the army, not the demons and the minions, it was the voice of the enemy. We listen to those negative words. We listen, amen, to those negative things. And we allow, amen, the devil to preach at us and to talk to us and to tell us we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. That's the voice that we have to learn to silence. That's the voice we don't give an ear to it. I was talking to someone the other day. They said, I didn't say anything. Yeah, but you can't listen to some of that stuff. Don't give an ear to it. There's some people you got to learn to just let them know, I don't want to hear it. Come on. I don't want to hear that. Amen. Because I know what spirit you're of. I know where you're coming from. And you're not going to spew that bitterness into me. Okay, that's your issue, and I'll pray with you about it. But I'm not going to sit here and listen to it. You're not going to criticize my faith. You're not going to criticize my God. You're not going to criticize, amen, what I believe. You're not going to criticize my church. You're not going to criticize my elder, my deacon, my preacher. I'm not going to give an ear to that because I realized that it was not the hand of the enemy. It was the voice of the enemy that brought me to this place. David had the wisdom to realize it was his voice. I've got to do something about. Listen, I may not be able to single-handedly fight the minions of hell. I may not be able, when it gets to the point where the armies of hell are there, I may not be able to fight that. I'm going to have to fall back on Jesus and just rely on the Lord. But I do have the power, without even the help of the Holy Ghost, to to let somebody know I don't have to listen to that anymore. I I don't have to be saved. I don't have to have 14 scriptures memorized. I, I just have enough common sense to know I don't need your negativity. I'm trying to walk in the Spirit and get somewhere with God so take your criticism take your negative talk take your doubt to somebody else but as for me I'm standing on the rock that never rolls and I shall not be moved church we give ear to the devil we give voice to our critics Help us, Lord. Wounded worshiper number four. Wounded worshipers. They feel betrayed and abandoned by God. Wounded worshipers. They lose the joy of spiritual disciplines. Wounded worshipers feel victimized by negative people. And wounded worshipers distance themselves from people because they might cause them pain. You know what I'm talking about. When you've been hurt once, it's easy to say, well, hurt me once. Shame on you. Hurt me twice. Shame on me. So I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to go to this church, and, and, but I'm not going to get involved like I was at the other church. I'm going to come, but I'm going to come early. 
and I'm going to leave early. And that way I don't have to really talk. I don't have to get to know anybody. You know, and I can just come in because, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm still coming to church, but, but I don't want to get too close to anybody. I'm just going to slip in and, and then I'm going to slip out. And, but how many of you understand there is risk in relationship? Did you hear me? I said there is risk in relationship. You cannot have relationship without risk. And the greater the relationship, the greater the risk. Say, what are you saying? Ain't nobody can hurt you. No one can hurt you like the person you love the most. Oh, come on now. You know what I'm talking about. Strangers come up and say, well, you know, I don't really like that. And you can just look at them and say, that person's weird. I don't know what your problem is because I see what you're wearing there and that ain't impressing nobody. You go back to Kmart, the blue light's flashing. You know, I don't need to. Yeah, I don't know who you are. That don't mean nothing to me. Is Abe Lincoln honest? <laughs> Honey, does this outfit make me... that's the only opinion that matters right there that's it that's the one you love that their words have power they have power that person that you love you share your life with your spouse your children amen when you get into a true relationship with a man of God and there is a nurturing relationship a father-son relationship in the spirit their words have power and we're so afraid that because this one abused us and beat on us and gave up on us and threw us out that if we get into that kind of relationship again I can't risk that kind of hurt but see what we don't realize is the same authority that it takes to bless you is or rebuke you is the same authority that it takes to bless you Hey man, if I, if I was to come to you and say, don't ever do that again, and that didn't mean anything to you, then I could come to you and say, God's anointed you and called you, and that wouldn't mean anything either. There's a door in our heart that has to open that allows both to come in. That's the risk of relationship. I'm vulnerable. I'm out there. I've invested everything in this relationship. I, I, I'm not doing the hokey pokey, pastor. I'm all in. I'm all in. And then someone falls short to meet our expectations. And how do we feel? Verse 6 and 7 tells us just how we feel. Lo, then I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness. Selah. Boy, that really expresses how we feel when we get hurt. We just, just, I just don't want to risk that again. I'm not going through that again. You know, we can be so quick to criticize someone who's been in multiple relationships, but you know what? At least they haven't given up trying to have and to find love. Some people, they do the opposite. They just put a box around themselves and say, well, you know, it didn't work. And they live alone and they're bitter and they're angry and there's nobody there to share their life with. Hey man, this is, this is the human response. There's no place. And I love what it says here in this next verse. Lo, then I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness and I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and the tempest. Hey man, I just get away from trouble. But have you know life, the Bible says, is few days and full of trouble. And see, some people think they're running from trouble, but the truth is they're running from life. Oh, you didn't hear what I was saying there, see, but that's important for somebody because, see, because if you're not careful, you're going to wake up one day and find out you thought you escaped, amen, but you didn't escape. Amen. The world is trying to escape. They got all the drugs, the alcohol. Amen. They're, they're just looking for something to fill the void, something to fill the time. People are just watching one movie after another movie after another, just so they can escape into a fantasy realm and they don't have to face their own life. They're running from life itself. Life is filled with risk. Life is filled with trouble. 
And we've got to be willing to just go ahead and live and face those problems and face those trials. Because Jesus didn't say we wouldn't have problems. But he did say, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you always. He did say he's a present help in the midst of trouble. Therefore will not we fear. God, deliver us from that spirit of fear. Number five, wounded worshipers want to lash out at the people that hurt them. Oh, yeah. What does it say here in verse nine? Destroy, O Lord. Divide their tongues. For I have seen violence and strife. Kill them all, Jesus. Kill them all. We've all prayed those kind of prayers. Lord, send the fleas of a thousand camels to infest the hairs of their armpits. <laughs> you can make anything sound spiritual if you put the right tone to it, you know. We've all sung that hymn, may the bird of paradise fly up their nose. May their wife be plagued with runners in her hose. You know, we'll do anything to justify it's righteous anger, righteous anger, because I was right and they were wrong. And forgive your brother doesn't apply here. Where'd you get that out? You know what I'm saying? Turn the other cheek doesn't apply here. Pray for your enemies. No, no, no. You see, it's in the natural, in the natural. When somebody hits you, you want to hit them back. Don't act like you don't want to. You hit it. They want to. You want to hit them back. And I and I can tell you right now. You know, all the men in the crowd are going, yeah. And all the ladies go, oh, I'd never do that. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I've been in Kentucky long enough. I've already counseled my third couple since I've been pastoring here for twenty years, where the judge told his wife, if you hit that man one more time, I'm putting you in jail for five years. Josh, sit down. Sit down, Josh. <laughs> Trying to teach him how to say amen. People don't think, Sister Angie been whooping up on him. <laughs> sit down. That's my armor bearer. I'm teaching him. I'm training him. That's the natural, that's the, that's the flesh, that's the flesh. That's why the Bible says when we know not what to pray. Amen. Or I think in a modern translation, we could, we could paraphrase that just a little bit to say, when we pray, stupid. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. Hey man, I honestly believe there's times that, you, that I've got down on my face and thought, God, you got to do something about them. God, you're going to have to get them. God, I can't think anymore, Lord. I'm telling you right now, you're an awesome God. You have power, Lord. I pray, just give me the strength of David. I'll do it myself, Lord. Just give me a rock and a sling, Lord. <laughs> give me a Samson anointing. Looking around for the jawbone of an ass. Yes, Lord, you know, you feeling all self-righteous in that, and then the Holy Ghost comes on you. You begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, and the, you begin to pray in tongues, and, and then you begin to pray in the understanding, and you realize that as the Holy Ghost is now taken over, you're praying, Lord, forget all that stupid, selfish, fleshly stuff that I just said, and teach me how to love my enemies. God, teach me how to pray for them. Break my heart for them, God. Number six, I got to get through this because we got altar time today. We need some altar time today. Number six, wounded worshipers believe that the relationships in the church mean more than the relationships in the world. What are you saying? Verse 12, for it was not an enemy. It was not an enemy. I, I could have handled that. I could, I could, well, you know, I could take that from a sinner, but you're supposed to be a Christian. Uh, 
<laughs> this is the one I love. You call yourself a preacher. Oh, I know it's on then. It's like, oh, Lord, what did I do? What did I do? I came to your church twice and you didn't even shake my hand and you call yourself a preacher. You know how we get when we're mad, Dad, Bob's? Someone grabbed me just not that long ago and said, boy, I'm glad you shook my hand today because I told myself I ain't never coming back if he don't shake my hand today. Woo. See, what we don't realize is, you know, David, David was saying, listen, I, I, could t- I, could take this from, so I can't take this from you. We went to church together. I can't take that. I, I could take this from anybody else but you, but we've been through stuff together. We, we've been through stuff. I have expectations of you. You, you, you're my family. You're my blood. You're my brother. You're, you're, you're my friend. How could you do this? Think about what an amazing statement that is. Somebody else could have done this to me and it wouldn't have bothered me. But because of who you are. And see, this is the result of us getting our eyes on people and not on Jesus. Did you hear me? This is the result of us getting our eyes on people and not on Jesus. How do you know that when you got saved, you still people? You still a human being. You still in the, you still live in a fleshly body, don't you? Amen. And how have you since you've been Christian, you have good days and you have bad days? Let me ask. Let me put it to you like this: How many of you, since you've gotten saved, have done something that you're not proud of? Let's just be honest. Now, how many of you, since you got saved, have done something that you're absolutely embarrassed about? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, that's, that's because when we get saved, guess what? We're still people. We're just people. And, and, and Jesus lives inside of our heart. But you have to imagine, you know, Peter had been following Jesus for three and a half years. When he opened up his big fat mouth and Jesus had to turn around and say, get thee. Behind me, Satan. What? This is Peter. Upon this rock I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. I mean, this is Peter. This is the this is the leader. This is the main guy. But nonetheless. God says something so profound in the Old Testament. And he's speaking of the children of Israel when he says it. I'm so glad because I tell you what, if there's any lesson that we get from the Old Testament typology of the church, is the church isn't perfect. Amen. I mean, and that's what he called them. He called them the church in the wilderness. Have you read that in your Bible? You study that out. It's, it's, it's powerful. He called them the church in the wilderness. And you know, we're that, we're that church in the wilderness. And, and we're not going to be perfect. And this is what God said that was so profound. He said, the prophet said he remembered that they were but flesh. Man, I tell you what. You know, you could probably forgive the people that hurt you if you could just remember that they're but flesh. They're not Jesus. I said, they're not Jesus. They're trying just as hard as you are to live this life. But they ain't perfect yet. And if they was perfect, then God would take them just like he did Enoch. That's what I believe. If they finally got to that place of perfection, God will take them out just like Enoch because they're going to mess up the grading curve for the rest of us. Praise the Lord. Wounded worshipers believe the relationship in the church mean more than the relationships in the world. I'm not talking about the value that we place upon them. I'm talking about the unrealistic expectations that lead to hurt. Yeah. 
John Bevere in his incredible book on the bait of Satan, if you haven't read it, every believer ought to read that book and guard your heart against the enemy's plot to bring a root of bitterness into your life and poison your spirit through that root of bitterness. And in that book, he, he gives the sum total of his research and study on this to say that the people in our lives that we are most bitter towards are, number one, our spouse, number two, our parents, number three, preachers and pastors. Now, how in the world does that make sense that people are most bitter against the people in their life that probably love and care for them and do the most for them? And it's because of unrealized expectations. It's not so much what they did and how horrible it was that they did it. It's that we expected so much more from them. Are you feeling that? And that, that disappointment led to hurt and to pain. I got to close this out with number seven. The musicians can come if they would. Number one, a wounded worshiper feels betrayed or abandoned by God. A wounded worshiper loses the joy of spiritual disciplines. A wounded worshiper feels victimized by negative people. A wounded worshiper distances himself from people who may cause them pain. Wounded worshipers want to lash out at the people that hurt them. Wounded worshipers believe the relationships in church mean more than the relationships in the world. And number seven, wounded worshipers still see the value in sticking with what they know. So what are you saying? I'm saying, Pastor, this is what I love about wounded worshipers. They didn't quit. A lot of people have made it. A lot of people gave up. There's a lot of people sitting right here saying, Pastor, man, you've been beating on me all morning. I, I, I'm a wounded worshiper. Can I say something good about you then? You're still here. You're right here in the presence of God. And you refuse to give up on what you know to be the truth. Despite how you feel. Despite the pain and the frustration of what you've been through. Despite the disappointment. Despite the poisoned arrows that you have endured. Here you are. And I love what... David says in verse 16, he said, as for me, as for me, that means not everybody, but as for me, not everybody's going to make it through this. Not everybody survives, but as for me, I will call upon God and the Lord will save me. <laughs> Woo. Some people will never get over it. But as for me, I'm going to get past this. And I'm going to do what God called me to do. Somebody might be sitting here today. Amen. Struggling with a wound. Struggling with the hurt. Struggling with the frustration of that unrealized expectation of that disappointment. Of that hurt when good people acted in a wicked way. Well-intended people spoke words that cut you to the quick of your very soul. And we can look around and see many did not survive and many did not make it. But David said, as for me, I will call upon the Lord and he will hear me. He shall save me. And then in verse 17, evening and morning at noon, I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Can I tell you, God didn't give us wings. Oh, David says, if I had wings, I'd just be carried away. Amen. But God didn't give us wings, but God gave us prayer. Thank God for prayer. Because we can go to God in prayer and in prayer, God can give us the strength to deal with the pain. In prayer, God can give us the strength to move on. In prayer, God can renew us and refresh us and restore unto us the joy of our salvation. The devil is a liar today. God can restore the joy. God can put the fun back in church. 
God can put the fun back in prayer. God can put the joy back in worship. Amen. He can put that leap back in your step and that spring. He can put that fire back into your belly. You just need to go to him and pray. Pray when in verse 17 in the evening, in the morning, and at noon, I will pray aloud and cry and he shall deliver me. Amen. I'm going to pray in the evening because the devil keeps trying to bring that back to my mind. He wants me to have to try to wrestle with that. I can't even sleep thinking about what they said and rehearse and conversations uh, but you know what uh, I'm going to pray on through that uh, and sleep through the night uh, and then when I get up in the morning uh, when he tries to bring it back at me again uh, I'll pray in the morning uh, and if that moon uh, been working hard in the hot sun uh, the devil tries to bring it back to me one more time uh, I'll pray again uh, I'll pray in the evening uh, I'll pray in the morning uh, I'll pray at noon uh, cause I'm going on uh, and I'm going further and I will do what God called me to do. And I will be what he ordained me to be. And I will, I said I will, press towards the prize of the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Come on, get up on your feet and give God a praise. Come on, get on your feet and give him a praise right now. Give him a praise, church. Give him a praise. Hallelujah. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I wrestled with this because I had a I had a camp meeting sermon. I had a camp meeting sermon, and we we listened to this man of God preach yesterday as we drove down the road and it just, it stirred my heart and I wrestled with it all night. And so then last night I got it out. I listened to it again. Then I got up this morning and I listened to it again. And the Lord told me, he said, if you, if you change your message and preach this, I'm going to bring the people to the house of God that need to be there. And so I know you're here today. I know that God brought you here for your healing. God is here to restore your joy today. If you'll only have the faith to believe him. And so I want you to bow your heads with me right now. We're about to give two altar calls real quick. Please stay in the spirit if you will. Saints of God, pray with me. If you've never prayed, we got to fight through the hurt and the pain and the bitterness and the negativity and all that the enemy has tried to use we got to break that assignment of hell to stop people from fulfilling their destiny. we got to break that today. There are folks that are in this place that if you're being honest today with God, church hurt has been more to you than just something that has discouraged you. You know that you have backslid. You know that you have walked and traveled the prodigal's road. And you know today... That God is standing there looking down that road, ready to put a ring on your finger, a robe upon your back. And as he declared, this is my son that was dead and now he is alive again. You're ready to step into your resurrection and come out of that death. This is the first altar call. This is to the prodigal today. I'm asking you in Jesus' name, step out of your seat and come down here. Amen. Come out right now. Come out right now. Come out right now. Here comes one. Can we praise God for one? Is there someone else? There's two. Is there someone else today? I believe there's resurrection here today. This is my son. This is my daughter that was dead. But now they're alive again. Oh, there's life and resurrection power in the Father's house. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on. Come on today. Come on today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to need some men of God to help me today. I'm going to need my pastor to come. I need you, Sister Jan, to come. I need you, Brother John, Pastor John Stevenson, your wife, come. Come down here today. 
If any of our board members, our ministry directors want to come down here right now, you can come. If any of the prayer team members that are not already here want to come, you can come right now and make ready to receive this second altar call. This is to those of you right now. You can be honest and say, Pastor, I'm not backslid. I love Jesus, but I've been hurt and I've been wounded. I've been distant myself and I've been pulling back and what you said today was so true of me and I I want to be healed. I want to be healed. I want to be I want to be able to take that risk again to love Christ and to love his body and his church again. Amen. If you have the faith today to step out of your seat, I have the faith today to believe that God is going to do a miracle in your heart. And he's going to pour in the oil and the wine. Will you come? Will you come? Some are already headed this way. Come on and step out of your seat and come down here. Praise the Lord. Come down here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God. Some of you, if you'd be honest today, you'd say, Pastor, I've been the victim and the perpetrator. I need God to heal me. I need God to touch me. Oh, God. Oh, God. Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Lord the rest of you that are standing if God is dealing with you I I invite you to come the altar is open but would you stretch your hands towards these precious souls would you do that with me right now stretch your hands toward them amen and let the Holy Spirit pray through you today this is real This is real today. The devil came to steal their joy, to steal their ministry, to steal their destiny. Oh, Jesus. But today, 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 he's pouring in the oil and the wine, the kind that restored the soul. Hallelujah. There is a river. The stranger I make glad. Oh, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Oh, God. I thank you for what you're doing today. Come on and pray for it. Pray for it. This is the last call. But if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, can I tell you, my friend, that he loves you And he has an incredible plan for your life. I invite you to come to Jesus today. I invite you to come and to know him. And be known by him today. In Jesus' name. The altar is open. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yes. Go on and sing right now. Sing that song. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
weapon formed against us that will prosper. God, I thank you for the joy that that which restoreth the soul. God, restore her soul today in the powerful name of Jesus. In the powerful name of Jesus. Oh, Jesus. step out right now a little bit from what God is doing in the altar and I want to say to everybody that is here amen that God is a healer today and whatever you are going through whatever you're facing the Lord is here to help you and we're so blessed this camp meeting and throughout this camp meeting to have these wonderful men of God that are with us and I just want to invite you that if you have prayer If you have a need for prayer in any area of your life, I'm going to open this up today. And we're just going to have a, we're just going to have an open altar call for whatever it is that you may need today. Don't, don't leave here sick and saying, nobody prayed for me. Amen. Come down here and let us, let these men and women of God lay hands on you and pray with you and let the Holy Spirit do a work in your life. And for the rest of you, amen, we're just going to release you to go at your leisure Do not forget, amen, that tonight at 6 o'clock, amen, we're going to begin services with Dr. T.L. Lowry. I promise you, you don't want to miss that. We just came from his headquarters where we were blessed to minister and be ministered to. And there was a tremendous anointing that is on this man of God. And you, if you're ready for an impartation, you're going to get it tonight. I don't say that. I'm not, I'm not about hype. Those that know me, I'm not about hype. I'm not going to try to advertise something that we can't deliver. I'm telling you, if you're ready for an impartation, if you are ready for an anointing on your life like you have never had or experienced before, you come to this service and God's going to release that into your life. And it is a God.